This is Creek with At The Table Podcast. Here at At The Table Podcast, our goal is to break down biblical topics, make scripture easy to understand, and to glorify God in His Word. We pray this content challenges, edifies, and blesses you. So, without further ado, let's check out What's At The Table. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Oh, man. (laughs) Y'all had too much Red Bull or something. Welcome to another episode of At The Table Podcast. I'm here, as always, with my two wonderful and handsome co-hosts, John Creek. How's it going, boys? on the last one. You know what I'm saying? Well, I was only doing that to try to puff you up a little bit. It's not actually true. You're being facetious. It's true for you, Creek. It's just not true for him. What? The son of favor. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, guys? It's going well. It was going good. I was told that I was ugly by my co-host. Creek, don't do that, dude. Can we do a biblical yeah. episode on... Insults? Well, I just think we should just play the Veggie Tales uh, episode of Who is Your Neighbor? Or do you, do you like your neighbor? Or whatever that one was. I think you're confusing the game with it. Oh no, no, it was. Uh, I'm not because it was over the Good Samaritan. You don't remember that? Mm-hmm. With the mayor of <laughs> Flibberoo flung shoes at the other city. Good and gosh, this is going hey, going off the rails on a crazy train. <laughs> hey, Veggie Tales is not crazy. That's a respectable part of any Christian's upbringing in the West. Uh, no more. Oh, right. We got that out in their hair now. They are? Yeah, they're not they're they don't have God in it anymore. That's bull, dude. Oh, I did know that actually. Just more about positive messages and being well, happy. Honestly, we've been recording a lot more lately. Honestly, it just feels like why do you have to take a good thing and ruin it? I know. I just don't I agree. I don't understand that. Anyway. Yeah, yeah we have been re- recording a lot. Yeah, we're getting some content recorded. Praise the Lord. And the thing about Veggie Tales is it was just so good for Kids to watch, dude. I know. Oh. <laughs> I just love throwing it so. Off. It was so wholesome. <laughs> All right, yeah. God edifying. Ooh, faith building. Mm. If you didn't know who Barbara Manatee was, I know. Were Barbara you really Manatee in church? Uh, you were pointing at me like I shouldn't know. I'm like I do. I did, I remember the Flipper Lou. I just didn't remember the Manatee, episode called Manatee. Manatee. Bro, stop. my week was good. Just stop. <laughs> it was long. It was hot outside. Uh, yeah, it's good. Got he, some wicked storms. He was driving a truck that he was in the air conditioning most of the time. Okay, well, Dang. lugging hoses around all day does get pretty tiring. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Tom does it for a living. <laughs> He's an old man. <laughs> Dang. No, um, dude, the watermelons are getting bigger. Yeah, your little patch of Eden. Uh huh. My little patch of Eden's doing good. That's awesome. The audience probably doesn't even want to know about the garden. They're like, why does this dork keep ranting on about all of his vegetables? It's a good process. Are you okay? I feel personally attacked by you today. Man, I'm sorry for that. You guys need to hug it out or something. I'm just joking. There will be none of that. We're not doing the holy kiss thing either. Don't get your hopes up. Why did he even bring that up? Okay, what... (laughs) Introducing, uh, this is not just a, a, a snake crusher episode or a topical episode. This is an interview episode, and we have a guest with us. Creek, would you do the honor 
of introducing our esteemed guest. Do we have a drum roll button? I no, we oh, don't. You do have an applause button. Introducing our special guest, whom I met in Jamaica, who is from Jamaica. On your honeymoon. <laughs> no, not on my honeymoon. Let's not twist things around. <laughs> Dylan Fowler. Yeah, baby. So, Dylan, <laughs> Dylan is a friend of mine. He's like, love him to death. He's got some cool stuff he's going to share with us today. So, Dylan, if you would, just uh, introduce yourself. Give me the elevator pitch of who you are. All right. So, my name is, well, Pitch or Fowler, right? That was AKA Dylan. I, a lot of people call me Dylan because I guess. My mom's high school high school crush was Dylan, and she gave me that name. Don't worry, my my father didn't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's gangster. Well, um, I my name is, as I said, my name is Victor Fowler. I am uh, forty three, about to be forty four. I guess you're forty three in November. Wow. Yeah, about to be forty four. Yeah. Yo, you, and, don't look um, a, you don't look a day over 25, my man. For real. You're I wish I aged like you, that. You, you, you guys are my favorite. You know that, right? <laughs> you know, I'm only 30. I think I'm 31. He looks like he's 50. But I look older than you, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's because I'm white. White people don't age well. Like milk, dude. For real. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't know. <laughs> hey. um, our, our, dark, our darker yeah. brothers and sisters, they age like fine wine. We age man. like freaking... Milk. It's not good. Especially yeah. Trey. <laughs> Trey's like a pasteurized milk. It takes some hard living to put creases in you like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um I mean I'm married for the past eighteen years. Um been with my wife um for the past uh twenty two years and um yeah, we got four kids, and, um, and we got, like, a 22, 19, uh, 17, and 14. Um, yeah, I've been Christian for the longest while. I mean, yeah. I, hey, I work for a mission organization in Jamaica, well, out of the U.S., called Friend Pelican Missions as well um, for now, but. Um, we'll see what God's going to do there. Yeah. So, Amen. Yeah, yeah. That's a little bit about. Right if, on. If you just, Dylan, could you just tell us maybe just start out kind of just telling us about in your testimony? Like when I just want to say when me and my wife were in Jamaica, we, we, uh, got to hear you talk a little bit and we just, we really, really stirred our affections for the Lord. So if you could just tell us your testimony. Um, I want to start at, you know, because if I, if I should tell you the whole story, it's going to take the whole day, man. But um, I'm going to tell you, uh, you know, just a, a part that I can do right now um, based on time and all that. Um, but, man, uh, I could definitely say I grew up in a Christian home like most people, but um, you know, I wasn't a Christian basically, you know, um, I had a, as a grandma though, that was, 
a really strong Christian, right? And, um, you know, one of the things that I saw how she would be, um, you know, and wanted to emulate that because of how she lived her life, you know. So, um, in about 20, uh, sorry, I mean 19, my God, can't remember which year I'm in. <laughs> I mean, uh, in about 19, uh, 97, 96, thereabout, I was living in Kingston and, and, um, you know, I was working at a garage and also just, um, staying there as well. And man, I was, um, just one of those youth that, you know, I, I want to be just like everybody else, right? You want to do what everyone else is doing. So I, um, as I was working for these people and I can't forget, I, uh, you know, I was there and one evening I, I was thinking that, man, I, I gotta get one of these vans to go to a club, right? And, um, you know, Hey guys, I'm just saying, never let your kids watch MacGyver. MacGyver is, is good and he's a surviving guy, but Hey, he can, he can teach you some stuff. All right. And you, and some people can use them not for the best reasons. Like, like I did. Right. Mm. Uh, so I learned how to hot wire a car, right. By watching that. And what, what happened is. Yeah. You don't have to <laughs> hotwire a car watching a TV show? You're amazing. You dude. could have had a career in a lot of other places. <laughs> so, my friend. <laughs> before you keep going, you tried to, so you're, you wanted to go to the club, but you didn't have a car? I didn't have a car. I've and, never and wanted to go to the wanted... club that bad. <laughs> I'm going to hotwire a car. <laughs> Good night. I, I, no, but the, the biggest thing is that I wanted to bring home one of the girls there, right? So that's the the major thing why I wanted to have that that car to, to drive, right? And you uh, and, and you just kind of you just kind of figured they didn't want to be walking on the old Lamborghinis; they'd rather be in a no, <laughs> too far, man. <laughs> uh. So I decided that I was gonna use the car, you know, to go to my dad's house and, you know, kind of my friends that I, I grew up with part-time there in Kingston, like they would see me and all that. And then, you know, the little, Hey, look what I can do type of thing. Right. And, um, yeah, I hotwired the, 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 the van back then those, they didn't have like, um, steering lock on those. Right. Mm. So it was easy the hot wire and um i yeah just kind of drive it out man and um when i drove it out i was trying to do again something that i saw someone do so all this time i've been trying to do things that to kind of say hey i can do this right and as i was going down this road i mean i it was a uh, manual transmission car. So I started to change the gears and go all the way up to high speed. That is a fifth gear and trying to go back down to all the way back to second and then one. Right. But as I tried that, 
um, to go back down, I was going so fast that I forget how to do it. And I put my foot on the clutch, I think. And, you know, I, I know I can hear the car revving. I remember that. I hear it revving and it just run across the street, man. And as it was going across the street, here comes a semi truck that normally carry a sound system, right? And it hit the car, bro. I mean, um, it hit it where I, I didn't know what was going on. It, it, it's like a flash, right? It, it just happened that quick. Mm. And when it did, I mean, I, I remember that. I remember just feeling the van get hit. I remember that, but that's about what I remember there. And I remember that, um, you know, I, I don't even remember when it overturned or when it, uh, fell on the side or whatever. I don't remember any of that. I just remember, um, standing on the side of the road. Mm. Uh, and this semi truck, the back of the semi truck was open. There was some guys sitting in a semi truck. And I remember just looking from the side of the road, the truck stopped and I just took off. And I took maybe about five minutes on a, maybe a 20 minute run. Good you know, night. to go you back cooking with where I was, dude. Yeah. Where, where I was, where, where, where the garage was. So I run back there just to kind of, you know, not let anyone find out that I was driving the van. So as I run back there, I went in my bed, man. I, I pulled the cover over and everything, but then I have, I have a scar on my hand, right? My left hand. It look, I don't look like a watch right now, but, um, when I get that scar, I was like, oh man, they're going to know, right. Um, that I was driving a van. So I went in bed, um, maybe about a couple of hours afterwards, they came up and said, Hey, Hey, someone, uh, stole one of the van and they, they wrecked it. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Wow. Who could do that? <laughs> what? You no looked way. at them in the crazy. eyes. And and just yeah. acted like you didn't. Well, I don't. What happened? I don't what know. a G. Yeah. So the van. So, so you got hit by a semi, more or less, and it didn't didn't smoke you. No, the van was total. Right. The van was total, man. <laughs> no hot wire to was, to take it back after that, huh? <laughs> no, there is nothing could be done to that van. I mean, it was it was done. Uh, but the thing is that. You know, when I was there and, you know, they, they started to, um, go down to where the van is, they came back and they started to blame a guy in my, um, my stepmom's brother. And I'm like, man, I can't, I can't do this, you know, and they, but before before they came back, what I was doing, right, was <laughs> I was trying to hide the, the scar that I have. So can anyone of you guys guess what I try to use to hide the scar? A Band-Aid. Yeah. Ah, right? That would be too obvious. 
You got to get black paint, man. You got to get black paint. <laughs> what? Dog, you tried yeah. to spray paint your arm black? I not, not even spray paint. I tried to paint it on with a brush. Oh, Just my paint. gosh. Hey, if that's not... If, if that's not a proverbial fig leaf, I don't know what it is. You know, <laughs> there's no color that I could paint my skin that would not be overwhelmingly obvious. <laughs> exactly. But at the time, I mean, the only thing I'm doing is is thinking, like, man, I just need to hide this, right? I, but anyhow, um, as I uh, as they came back up and they were blaming my stepmom brother i was like oh man i can't let him go down for that you know and i finally told him that it was me driving that van and the the boss's daughter was like no you're just trying to pick up for him and i'm like you know amen. you know everything that happens god has a reason why he does everything amen yeah um so because I have this car, it was what I could use to prove that I was driving a van. Right. So I had to show her the scar and like, yeah, I was driving a van. That is the reason why I got this. Mm. <clears throat> so at that point, they were, I guarantee they were disappointed, right? Not that I was a, hey, I was always a troubled kid, right? I was always right. um, doing stuff that, test my limits, put it that way, right? And that was one of those things that, you know, found out that I could do a wire a car and do something stupid, right? But, you know, back when you are not, you know, running towards God, there's always just a enemy telling you things that you can do and, how powerful you are and, you know, uh, how cool you will look when you do things. But we know that's a lie, right? Yeah. Basically, it's just, I, I once said to one of my cousins that, you know, when you're in sin, the devil don't want you to live. The only thing you want to do is kill you because you know if you're, if you're dead, then you're his. But once you have life coming out of your nostrils, he can't be sure that you're his. You know what I mean? Mm. So There's potential for you to, to, to turn to the Lord then. If, yeah. if you live. Yeah. yeah. Right? If you live. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I... Man, I was... You know, I devastate everyone, I guess. You know, to know that I did that. And then, on top of that, my... The company was having a really bad problem with with wreckage, so they didn't they didn't um, want to go through this again. So the insurance wouldn't give them like the claim and stuff like that. So at this point, that they only do one thing and to lock you um, up. Had to lock me up. Mm. So. I guess they went out Holocaust the next day. And, but before that happened, and I was in the garage, you know, just kind of, everyone was like cracking up over what happened. Right. And <laughs> yeah, like 
they they didn't take anything serious. But at this time, I'm like, I didn't know what was going to happen. I just thought that they were gonna, not going to do anything, right? So I was at, at the garage, and so I would say about 100 feet from where my house is, right, where my the room that I'm staying is, there's, like, the house that my my um, stepmom brother is in. So I was there, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm thirsty. I'm, you know, and I heard someone say, hey, why not get some juice from Paul's fridge? And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, let me go do that. So I went in there, and I was getting some juice, and I saw my, my boss's daughter. She just came in, like, really fast in a car. It's the fastest I've ever seen her drive coming into the garage, right? And I was like, what? What's going on? You know? And then right behind her, there was a police car. So now I, I, I know what's up, right? And I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, I think they're here for me. So I opened the back door, and I went to, into an acutree. You, you guys don't know what an acutree is, but you can look it up, right? What a what a acutree is in Jamaica, and because that's part of our na- national fruit. And as I was there in the acutree, man, I I saw them going to my room, and they were searching everywhere, and they were like, "Hey, um, so you sure is not here?" And they're like, um, "No, um, he just went. He just walked down there. I know it was around here somewhere." And they were looking everywhere for me, except in that tree, man. Okay. Yeah, so went to the tree and um, was looking at everyone. They were just like looking for me and um, they went in my room um, and they were asking like, hey, um, are you sure he's here? And they're like, well, he was just here, you know, and I, I, they were like, he was, he was just here. So he walked down. You know, but they didn't know where I am. Wow. And I was in that tree looking at everything. They looking didn't at think, everyone. They didn't think to look up or anything. No. They didn't think to look in the tree. Well, the tree was behind the house. You know, it was behind the house a little ways anyway. And as I was there, I was looking at them, looking for me, man. And is it a guava? Or what, what is an echo tree fruit? <laughs> Actually, acutree, man. It's a acutree. It's one of our national um, fruits in Jamaica. Is it very um, tall? It is. It is. Well, sometimes they can get really tall, but sometimes they're not too tall. That one wasn't too tall. That one was like maybe about fifteen foot or thereabout. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's so not bad. a very tall tree at all. Yeah, that's like more of a bush around here, dog. We got trees that are sixty feet tall. No man, it's it's more about a fifteen feet where I was. Wow. At least. Okay. I I googled up the the tree. It, that gives a whole different. Con- they're pretty thick though. A lot of foliage, so you could kind of yeah. disappear in one of them. Yeah. This one didn't have that much on it. Uh-oh. You just having you just have <laughs> a little bit because they had to trim it because it's like a top of the house. So therefore, you don't want it to fall like the limbs to fall in the house. So they had to make sure to trim that. But, uh, yeah, I was in that tree, man, and I was 
I was looking at them and at this point, I mean, everything becomes real, right? And, but you know how God just, you know, do some things for some reason. And for some reason, I don't think I was supposed to go with the cops at that point, right? And I think God didn't allow them to see me. That's what I think. Yeah. Because um, after I saw them drive out, I came out of the tree and I went around the, to the garage and everyone was cracking up laughing. Like they were like, where were you? Where were you? I mean, the cops were just here and all that. And I didn't tell them where I was. I didn't want to give anyone my hiding spot. What if I need to do it again? Right. So, um, I, so they said to me, Hey, the, the cops said that you should come see them. You know? And I remember taking up Bible, you know, putting it in my pocket. And I said, God, if you get me out of this, I'm going to serve you. And I remember going up to the police station and as I was going up to the police station, um, you know, I was there talking to God and everything and walking up. It was like, uh, maybe like, a almost an hour walk to the police station, but Hey, I didn't have money and I was just going there to see them to see if I can talk to them and maybe God can get me out of this. Right. So, so what you're saying is you weren't moving near as fast towards the police station as what you were running away from that van. <laughs> Brother turned no. a twenty minute walk into a five minute walk. <laughs> five minute and run on the way. That was. I imagine it was a time of deep intercessory prayer on oh, his own man. behalf. <laughs> it was. It was. His brother had never been that close to God. He was hey. praying the whole way there. Yeah, it was, and. Man, as I got to the police station, there's a the cop at the front desk, and I told him who I was. I told him what I'm there for. I told him actually what I did, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you know, when I told him, he's like, "Well, the the police that is in charge, the detective that is in charge, is not here, so." Um, I'm going to have to arrest you and put you in a cell. I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But then they, again, God has this bruise on my hand for a reason, right? He started to talk to the other cops there and he's like, well, we want to lock him up, but we can't do it with, with that, that he has on his hand because, he might be infected in the jail cell, you know? And mm. I was like, so he said to me, do you have anyone that can bail you? And I'm like, yeah, I have my, my dad. And he's like, can you call him? And they gave me a call to call him. And I, I call him back then. It was just landline phone and there was no cell phone. So right. it's a good thing. My dad was at his shop, right? Or else. So I, I called him, he, he got a ride from one of his, one of his um, friend, and he came and he bailed me out. And they gave me a court date to come back to court the next day. Went back to court, 
um, I didn't hear my case call up. So I hang out there for a bit and then I went over to the station after I didn't hear it. And I actually went for the, to see the detective at this time he was there. And I said to him, um, Hey, um, my name is Dylan. Well, Fitzroy Fowler, right? I'm the guy that, you know, wrecked the van and all that. And he was surprised to be honest, right? That I came in and all that. And I sit down and he started to kind of question me. And one of his question is, why did you just, why did he, why did you do that? I mean, why did you take the, the, the steel van out and, and wrecked it? And I'm like, well, I don't know. You know, and I wasn't going to tell him I was going to the club. No. <laughs> so like yeah. So I, as I, you know, he was talking to me and all that. There was this one corrupt officer there. I remember that he says, man, you know, we can help you out, but you're going to have to give us some money. And I'm like, but I have no money. You know, I couldn't, I didn't have money to pay taxes here to get there. How am I going to? Pretty much. I don't have money. That's why I committed the crime in the first place. So. (laughs) So he, you know, as I was talking to him and all that, he said that I'm supposed to come see him like another day. And when I try to go see him because I was trying at this time now to accumulate money and all that, when I go, when I was um, supposed to see him, I, I skipped that day. I went there the next day and I, he said, I told you to come see me this day and you didn't come. What happened? And I said, well, I couldn't find any money or anything like that. So the arresting, the guy that, um, is a detective that is on the case. He said, I didn't tell you anything about money, man. I'm like, well, the next police, he said, I didn't tell you anything about money. You don't need any money. So I'm like, okay. So I calmed down. He said to me, listen, I'm going to give you the date to go to court. And this is what I'm going to do for you. I am not going to charge you all the charges that you're supposed to get. Hmm. And, you know, just thinking about it now, right, it's kind of like what God did for us, right? Like how we deserve certain things, but he didn't didn't give those to us, right? And that's what he did for me. He said, the only thing I'm going to charge you for is just taking a vehicle without owner's consent. Basically just stealing a vehicle out. I didn't have a license. I didn't have anything, you know, and he didn't put on any of those charges on me. The time come that I, man, that I'm supposed to go to court and I went to court and when I went to court, man, I'm like, Oh man, I'm going to be, I'm going to be going to jail. I don't know how long I'm going to go for and all that. That's all that is going on in my head. And here comes my boss's daughter with the lawyer that is supposed to talk on their case, speaking on my behalf. Hmm. What is happening? I mean, all the prayers that I prayed, God was answering, and I didn't even see it. I didn't even realize that God was answering all the prayers that I that I that I prayed. 
Yeah. And man, I mean, the judge, it was a Holton and shut case, right? So it wasn't anything that you're going to have to come back and come back. Right. So the judge asked me and I pled guilty and I, you know, so Joseph was there with me. Do you guys know what a handcart is? Not like a, a what? Not like a Charlie handcart. So if you look up handcart in Jamaica, you're gonna see like something that is made out of wood, and you like um, we put like bearings and wrap it in uh, like the tires, like cut tires, wrap it in to make tires for the cart, right? And we would push those. So the judge said, have you ever driven a hard cart before? And I'm like, yeah, I've driven an end cart. And he's like, do you have a license? And I'm like, no, I don't. He's like, so she's like, what possessed you to take out the vehicle? And she was, I mean, she was chewing me out. And I was scared at this time. And I heard the lawyer said to, to the judge that, you know what, Your Honor, we don't really want to, you know, um, you know, he's young. This is his first offense. There's some way we can work something out. And the judge was like, okay, I'm going to give you one year and six months probation. And I was like, I don't know what that means. You know, all I was thinking of is that, man, I'm going to prison. And when he said, when she said that, I was like, okay. And then she said, uh, I need to, they need to lock me up in the holding cell that the, the probation officer can come talk to me and stuff like that. But before that happened, she said she need to see the detective that, the detective that did the arrest because she was like, how did he not charge me for all these things? And he, she's going to chew him out. So she was mad at the detective that hmm. arrested me. Hmm. I'm, I'm just thinking that he knows that he was going to get in trouble. How did he do that? Hmm. And that's the thing about God, man, is that the things that he moves in, in people's heart to do at times, we never see it until we are, you know, in front of everything and looking backwards because we never see what God is doing as we are walking through it. We always see it when we're looking back. Yeah. Like, oh man, God did this. So I got, you know, the probation officer to come up and they spoke to me and everything. And I mean, I didn't know that prisoners in prison can try your case and know what you're, what's going to happen. One of them told me like, man, don't worry. They're just going to put you in the one or six months probation and all that. And you'll be good. You'll be on the street before you know it. Like you'll, you'll be okay again. And I remember that they called me up and I, my heart started to beat fast and, when I saw the probation officer, she's like, okay, my name is Mrs. Thompson. I'll never forget her name. Never forget the police name either. Because these are the people that was used by God in my life at that time. Wow. I went, 
yeah, I. This is Creek with At the Table podcast. If you're enjoying the show, give us a rating, review, and share our podcast with a friend. If you'd like to contact us, email us at at the table podcast mail at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. Now, let's get back into the show. Yeah, so I got one year and six months probation. My Bless God. My probation officer, I just see her for a year and then she said I was good. But while I was in Kingston, I used to get these dreams, right? And I used to dream, <clears throat> see my grandma. And, you know, one of the things that I that I remember seeing is that she told me that she wasn't dead. And even though she was dead, she told me that she wasn't dead. And one of the times I really remembered I was fighting demons. And as I was fighting those demons, um, I was trying to throw everything at them. And, you know, nothing worked. And my grandma's dream came out and say, Hey Dylan, just say Jesus. And wow. I did that and everything disappeared. Like all the demons that I was fighting disappeared. Amen. And man, I remember that I, you know, basically, you know, even though I promised God everything, I didn't start my Christian walk immediately. <laughs> I go to church and all that. But never really start. It was a couple of years after that that I actually gave my life to Christ. And I can remember that I went to a a service and, and at this point, I mean, a couple of years later, I really want what my grandma has because I seen her live her life and I'm like, Man, I, I would really want to do that. And she, you know, before she passed off, I remember I was crying and because she was sick, she couldn't move. And I said to her, um, and she said to me, what's wrong? And I told her nothing. And she said it again. And I told her like, I'm not used to you like this. You're, you know, we're always doing stuff and now you're, you can't move and all that. And she said, I'm okay all you have to do to see me again is to accept Christ. Mm. I, I remember that vividly and man, I love her dearly. And it's, it's, you know, it's kind of emotional talking about it. Yeah. But, um, I remember that even in that time, still didn't turn to God even though I promised God that I wasn't going to come, I didn't turn to him. And after this couple of years, I was there and I got like, man, I, I, I just felt this thing. Like I need what she has, what my grandma has. I need that. I need that peace. I need the way I see her operate. I need that. And I went to a church and I, you know, I was there and, you know, in the Pentecostal church, they tell you that you got to tire for the Holy Ghost, you got to speak in tongues, you got to do all this, right? So, um, I was there and I was trying to to do that, and nothing would happen. And 
I remember one year I went to a convention at a Pentecostal church and, you know, finally I, I was baptized before, before I went to the convention and I was like, yes, I, I need to get this insulin that you're talking about. And I tried so hard, man. And, you know, finally they told me that, oh man, you were speaking tongues three times. So, you're saved. I didn't feel any different. Mm. I did not feel different. I'm like, oh, well. But one different thing that happened is that when I went to tell one of my family members and they said to me that, no, you're, you're, you're not a Christian, you know. I started crying. Wow. I'm like, what? You know. But anyhow, they told you you weren't I, a Christian because you didn't speak in tongues. <clears throat> no, not on, not that. But the person didn't believe that I got saved. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah. Wow. So I was like, and I stopped crying, and I said, "I'm saved. I'm saved." So, fast hmm. forward a couple of years later, I of course walked away from God again. And this time I met my wife, right? And I was with my wife for like three years. But when I'm with my wife, for some reason, man, God keeps talking at my heart. And I remember this this evening I was walking on the street and I see the sun going down, the evening sun, right? And I remember that that passage that said, you know, the moon shall turn into blood, you know. And I was like, oh, man, what if God should come now? What would happen to me? And immediately, I felt like I need to run back to God. And there was a guy that invited me to church. And I took up, took that opportunity to call him and say, hey, man, I, I want to come to your church. And he said, come on in. We have service at, starting at 10 o'clock in the morning so you can come on over and stuff like that. And he told me where it is. And back then, man, even though I have my wife, well, I wasn't married then. She was my baby mother then because we get our kids before, right? So even though I have her, uh, there was a couple of the girls on the right. And I basically walked and tell all of them like, Hey, I'm going to marry to my, my, my baby mother. And I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going into church. I'm going to change my life. One of them told me that if I didn't love you so much, I would kill you. And (laughs) I, I mean, that was a wake up call for me. And I know she could do it because she was living in this rough part of Kingston. And all she had to do is to say to someone, Hey, I need this to happen. And it could have happened. And then I remember at that point, I make a decision. I'm like, God, I want to serve you. And I went in there, man, and I, from that point, I started to serve God. Like, they told me, hey, all you have to do is to do this, what Romans 10 and 9 says. It's not about speaking in tongues. It's not about any of that. It's about accepting Christ open up 
your heart to him. Amen. And I did that. And the minute I did that, I felt so free. I felt so different, to be honest. And I was in a church that the people were operating within the word of God, within love. Man, I've never felt so loved in all my life as I felt when I was there. Other than my grandma, right? I felt so loved, man. I, I mean, people were there. They were with you. They, they tried to help you with stuff and all that. And it was just an awesome experience. Praise God. And that is how I really come to Christ. And my wife came up, right? Because I went to the past that I'm like, even before I accepted Christ, the pastor saw what was going on and he saw the struggle that I had. And he said, why, why don't you want to accept Christ at first? Right. And I said to him, the reason why is because I have a girlfriend and I don't want to, you know, be playing around. And he said, well, what's stopping you? We can get you married. And I'm like, I don't have any money. He said, you don't need any money. And I, I haven't, I don't think I've, ever hugged a man that tight until he told me that. Mm. You're telling me I get to have the cake and eat it too? <laughs> Praise <laughs> God, right? That's a celebration. It's like that's <laughs> that's what that's what we call the HBO special. You man. get to help a brother out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well it's like you know, hey, when a man finds a wife, it's a good thing, right? Amen. That's what I'm saying. I'll praise the Lord with you. Yeah. Yeah, so I, um, yeah, I accepted Christ. My my wife did came up, and yeah, she <laughs> even before we got married, she was like, "I'm gonna tempt him so hard," and she confessed that to me now, right? She wear she wear something come to bed, like, and I'm like, and I'm not even turning my head in the same place that she is. I'm turning my head on the tail of the bed, man, and she's gonna sleep up there. And I'm like, I'm not going to be tempted on this, you know? And she, she did confess, like, I did that on purpose because I wanted to mess you up. But that's all the, you know, that's what happened when we were living in sin, right? Like, the devil just kind of give us things that, to say, hey, this is a joke, right? But I can tell you, when I, actually got married to her. It was about two weeks after that that I got married to her. And then it was holy, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I guarantee you, I speak in tongues. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I love like, you, man. <laughs> oh god. So, so the gist, the gist of your story so far, you went from trying to be cool to hot rod a van that did not belong to you. Mm -hmm. You crashed into mm -hmm. a semi truck and it didn't kill you. The only thing you did was cut your hand. 
The police wouldn't throw you in jail because they were afraid that a cut on your hand would get infected. God gave you the HBO special so you didn't go to prison and you didn't get charged. And now you're married and you're saved. I am saved now. That's a redemption story. Dude, that is Christian MacGyver. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, you can definitely see some points of divine intervention for you. That's for sure. I, yeah. I can't. Yeah. I can't imagine hot wiring a cargo van. I don't think I've ever paid t- that much attention to a TV show. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like he learned from a MacGyver. Episode. How many times do you think you had? Was that back? In, that was back in the day with VHS. So you had to press the rewind button on the VHS recorder. It was cable, though. It was cable. Oh, to be honest, it was a TV show basically because we. We only have like one station back then in Jamaica, and it would come on a. It would always come on a Saturday night, but I I would watch so much TV, man. <laughs> um, I mean, every time MacGyver is coming on, I'm going to watch MacGyver. Even my kids know MacGyver. That is how I love it, and I don't know why I teach. I I, I realize what it did to me, and then I show it to my sons. Right. <laughs> so now. Now, let me ask you this. Um, wait. Um, so it, you, you get, you're you saved at this point, and right now, obviously, mm-hmm. you're in ministry. What was the, the yeah. segue in your life from saved, married, to ministry? What, Man, what launched you in? Well, my, my biggest thing in ministry is as I was in Kingston, I, you know, I got a job and everything. And back then I used to see a lot of like young guys just, um, basically dying. Right. Like back then Kingston was a lot more violent than it is now than it is now. And I mean, they, they, um, there was like, <clears throat> just the guys that were dying, they weren't even old. They were like really young. And I was like, God, what can I do about that? And that kind of started my passion for ministry. Because what I feel like I could do is, even if I could reach one each time, right? That would be one less person. That would be one less soul, you know, heading to hell. Yeah, you know, that's so, a saying that I have with, like, I tell the youth all the time, is, like, when someone's been found, like, the natural response is to, when you've been found by the Lord is to find other people, you know? It's to give yeah. what God has given you to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, and that that was basically where I was, right? Oh, uh, where I am, I should say, because um, I know what it is to be lost. Mm. So I want to show everyone else what it is to be found, right? So that is how I started in ministry. So I started with a ministry called Caribbean Lifetime Missions, and I was there 
um, working at that organization, but some stuff didn't go right. And I moved away from that. And now I'm in an organization called parental recognition. And, you know, it's a short term mission organization that facilitates, uh, you know, short term mission trips from the U S or Canada to Jamaica. And that is one of the way that I can also give back on, you know, helping to like one by one, one youth at a time. Right. And talking about one youth at a time, there's an awesome church here in Jamaica called Jacob's well, man. I mean, those people, they're the one that has been doing like awesome in this mission work, man. Um, man, I remember going to Jacob's well for the first time when I went there, there wasn't much people in the church. And for some reason, man, I, the pastor, I don't know. I think he got it right. You know, he got, I think he's definitely in that commune with God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because over the the past, I think we met him in about, I want to say 2016 or 17, somewhere there about. And from that time that we met him and he has like just a maybe, 20-something people in his church or somewhere thereabout. And now, I know we have over a couple of hundred in his church. And his method is, is not just inviting people to church, but his method is actually getting to know people. Amen. Getting to get people. Getting to infuse these people to, to the God that we know. Right? There's a lot of times we can just kind of sit in the four walls and be like, oh, we're just going to go with it here, right? But until you actually get out there, get to know the people, get to know their struggles, get to know their lives, and then call them to yourself, and then kind of win them to yourself first, and then point them to God, we're going to keep doing what we're doing, getting the same result. Wow. That's good. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, you know, and that's why I admire about this guy. And that is why his church explodes. He doesn't just, you know, expect people to come to church. He go and pick him up. He has two buses. And right now he's, he's kind of struggling because his buses, you know, they're older and stuff. And he would, send those buses out to pick people up all over to come to church. Well, Dylan, um, as we're, we're kind of getting running out of time here. Would you just, um, would you plug maybe praying Pelican and maybe how somebody could support praying Pelican or even support Jacob's well? Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, praying Pelican is a really awesome uh, charter mission organization. And if you guys want to support Prime Pelican, um, you can go to, uh, ppm.org, right. And down there you will see the place to donate or you can, if you want to specifically support like pastor Earl, you go to three, six, five, 
um, ppm365.org um, slash donate. And, you know, you, you'll you see where they have some pastors and stuff. Pastor Earl is from Jamaica, so you would have to pick a different, like the country and all that. And that is where you can support Pastor Earl and his ministry that he's doing here in Jamaica. Well, thank you so much, Dylan, for coming on. Um, I'm really happy we got an opportunity to interview you. It's uh, it's really a pleasure. You bless me every time I talk to you, brother. Yeah, and thank you for being so patient with us as we're three, you know, really busy guys who are really, really new to the podcasting world and to recording equipment and all this stuff. And, and so it's it's been a journey, but um, thank you for being so patient with us and, 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 you know, fitting us into your schedule. Yes. I know that that isn't always yeah. easy. And thank you for sharing your journey as well. Yes. Your story. No problem, man. Um, I thank God. I thank God because, you know, these are just testimonies, right? That someone else can hear and maybe they're going through something and maybe yeah. can help them you know that there is light of the hand of the soul, you know? So, um, yeah, it was my pleasure. It, it, it's my pleasure um, being here and thank you guys as well to, to, kind of find my story interesting enough to say, you know what, I think people should hear this, you know, so yeah. I appreciate you guys as well. That. Amen. All right, Dylan. Well, for the purpose of this episode, um, D- Dylan, hang on as we end this episode, but um, we're going to, to end recording and then we're, we're going to uh, continue the conversation just a little bit off air. But um, for, for the purpose of this episode and for our audience, I think that that makes an episode. So, uh, Good luck and Godspeed. God bless you. Catch you later. Thank you for joining us for another episode of At The Table Podcast. We hope it blessed you and taught you something. And if you enjoyed, leave us a good rating and like us on Facebook. And from all three of us, until next time, thank you and God bless.